This is a podcast for ambitious young women. I'm here to tell you my story navigating the professional world and how I empower myself. I hope I can empower you too. Welcome to A Better You. This is the Invest in Yourself podcast and I'm your host, Kimmy Wells. Welcome back to another episode, guys. This week, it's going to be a guest episode with my boyfriend, Jerome, and we're going to be discussing what it feels like to be black in Canada. We're going to go over some of the current events happening right now worldwide, some issues close to home, and I hope that you guys can walk away from this with a ton of insight and feel free to reach out if you want to know more or if there is any way that you want to help. All right, so let's get into it. You reacted the first time we saw the video. Um, I remember watching it in the morning. I was still in my bed. And, you know, you pick up your phone and start scrolling. And I actually saw um, on Instagram, Sean King had it up. And I remember feeling just sorrow. Just I wasn't even upset at the time. And I'm, I was upset with myself for not feeling upset about it. But it was just like... I just felt like, uh, again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't expect it to blow up the way um, the way it did, especially with um, all the others. It just kind of died down over time. You just got injustice after injustice, and nothing would come of it. And it was just frustrating. And how did you react? When I first watched the video, I remember you sent it to me, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to be in bed, I think. <laughs> and I remember watching the video, and at first, I wasn't phased, but then when I realized he was going to die, I had to click out. Because I like just started to feel heavy. I was like, oh my god, not another one. And I could not believe that it had actually been recorded, like, the full length. Because every other instance of police brutality, we never get the full video. Nope. We never got to see exactly what happened to Trayvon. You don't hear... you You don't even know how it happened to Brianna. No. But you saw how it happened to George. And that was... It's honestly traumatizing. (laughs) especially when you continuously see those videos just posted onto the timeline like no trigger warning at all it's just here's another black man being killed on camera i remember it was the um it was the caption with the video when i saw it first uh it was like a mad face emoji and um it said this is blatant murder or something like that and i was like Okay, so I started watching the video and I saw that the the cop was on George's neck. I was like, this cannot be how he dies. And these people are just standing here videotaping. And the mm-hmm. cops are standing there watching. Because I know that's not instant. Yeah, it's a slow, painful death. How can you stand there and do not- How can you stay on someone's neck knowing that they can't breathe because they're telling you they can't breathe and the man is there crying for his mother 
I mean, you have to be an evil, evil human being to be able to do something like that. And you can tell that wasn't his first time doing something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, details later showed that it was not his first time, but he was so relaxed. Yeah. His hand was in his pocket. He would look directly at the camera. He was Mm -hmm. like, I know. It was like he had... He was daring everyone to do something about it. It was just like, an I'm above the law and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. At first, when you get the first angle, because when the first video came out and it would, you just see him on his knee, that was heartbreaking enough. And then mm. you get the second and third and fourth angle. Yeah. And you see three other officers. And I just Two wanted to know. Two of which are visible minorities. Yeah. What, what? And that's another thing that it, like bothered me to my core. Because I'm like, there is no minority solidarity when there is anti-blackness in every minority and seeing four people on top of one man who was not even resisting arrest Mm -hmm. he was not violent he was unarmed he gets the police were called over a fraudulent bill that wasn't fraudulent turns out yeah and you killed him over that Mm -hmm. When we get to hear stories about school shooters who get detained alive and are able to get to their trials. Yeah. And why is it that for so many black people, the most Mm. minor incident that a police is in your area, that can be a death sentence? Yeah. And that is, it's it's heartbreaking, but it's something that you have to learn at such a young age, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Your parents, I mean, most likely, most black kids have had a conversation with their parents. That includes how you have to watch yourself, mm-hmm. how you have to act, how you uh, you are already at a disadvantage because of the color of your skin, how you can be treated by officers of the law, mm-hmm. people who should be upholding the law. And it's 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 shameful, honestly, how to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> how children are expected to, to know this because black children, well, they're not children, children. You never they get to be a kid. No. You you're you're thrown into the ring from the moment you're born, you're already a target because of the color of your skin. And the thing is, even if the kids aren't directly like uh, uh, targeted their parents, their siblings, their mm-hmm. aunts, their uncles, they have to live through traumatizing experiences. Yeah. Things that happen to the, their relatives, their friends. And it just shouldn't. It just shouldn't be. If you ask many black kids their experiences with the police, I can bet you... If not all, most of them will tell you that if it wasn't them who's had a bad experience with the police, it's a family member who's had a bad experience with the police. And from a young age as a black kid, you know about racism. And for people who say that kids don't know about racism, that is a blatant lie. Mm -hmm. Black kids learn about racism when they're four years, like by the time you get into school, I learned racism by JK, junior kindergarten. I was three years old. 
and I understood racism. So it's not enough to just be like, yeah, our kids will learn about racism when we deem it's appropriate. When was the appropriate age for me to learn about racism? Why was it appropriate for me to understand that the color of my skin was a disadvantage and that people would treat me differently and violently mm-hmm. when I was four years old. No one can explain that to me. I can't... Um, okay, I haven't actually... I'll start with this. I haven't actually had a run-in with police myself. Oh, I have. Really? Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was really minor... Mm-hmm. but it terrified me. Oh, yes, you told me about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it really did terrify me because this is post... Like, this was just last year, and this is, mm-hmm. like, my entire life I've known not to trust the police. Mm-hmm. And I was doing skip the dishes. I was in a neighborhood I did not know. It was, like, midnight. Mm-hmm. I was driving around by myself, which, first of all... As a girl, you worry about driving around at night by yourself. A black woman (laughs) driving around by yourself at night is even worse. But I was, I I pulled over because I was trying to find the customer's house and I could not find it. So I pulled over, put my car in park, pulled out my phone, and I was trying to recalibrate the maps on my phone. And Canada has this law where, like, you're not supposed to be on your phone while it's moving, but you can you can legally pull over, put your car in park, and use your phone. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw this cop car slowly driving up beside me, I literally, like, froze. I had no idea if the officers, when they pulled up, were going to be pointing guns at me. Yeah. I did not know what to do. I, I was shaken. <laughs> when I rolled down the window and they asked me what I was doing in the neighborhood and I told them I'm a skip the dishes driver I can't find the customer's house I'm pulled over because I need to recalibrate my map and they proceeded to tell me that I can't be pulled over and using my phone and like for me like I knew they were wrong but I'm not going to speak out and say that they're wrong. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to agree and be like, "Yeah, officer, okay." The entire time I can feel like my body is tensed up. Mm-hmm. I'm literally as I'm like replaying this story like I'm tense right now just thinking about the fear that I felt in that yeah, moment. Yeah. And then I was so relieved when they drove away. Like I didn't move my car until they were out of sight just in case they decided to follow me. I didn't want to move, but that's been my one run-in with the police, and it terrified me. Because you also hear about what happens to young black women with police at night. Yeah. And I did not want to be that, so I completely froze. And that's just my one story with the police at, like, what, I was 20? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 20. That, uh, your reaction to the police tensing up remind reminded me of um countless times actually where, where i've seen it's normally pickup trucks oh yeah <laughs> pickup trucks with raised suspension and the loud mufflers and the, the monster wheel tires yeah those that's my me. reaction <laughs> when i see those you don't know there's one time we went to the the beach down at the beach and 
walking towards the water. <laughs> this white boy runs out of the the trees with sticks in his hand, and he's wearing this camo like button down shirt. And I don't know if you remember feeling it, but I squeezed your hand a little bit tighter. You did. I was so prepared to just shove you and run toward him with like everything in. I was going to like, you know, your fight or flight. You just. Mine is always flight. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking at the situation, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could have taken him. So that was my response. But then as we got closer, saw the rest of them walking down with their like campfire stuff. So we realized that obviously. But I mean, that was my reaction. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that should be my reaction. Just <laughs> it shouldn't from seeing, be normal. <laughs> just from seeing a guy running with sticks. Yeah. Or, or or if if one of those pull, pickup trucks pulls up in front of you and and there's no one with you. Mhm. That also terrifies would, me. Yeah. I would prefer not to be lynched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sad that those are things that you think about. Yeah. Like as a black person, anytime you leave your house, you fear for your life. Yeah. You prepare, like, it's so subconscious, Mm -hmm. but you prepare for the worst. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when I, when we leave our houses, you leave your house. Or maybe it would apply to me because I'm male. But, I mean, black women can still be seen as a threat. Mm -hmm. And are still seen as a threat. We're seen as aggressive. Yes. But (laughs) black men, specifically are these are a violent most likely criminal past probably holding a gun that's what i'm saying people when i leave my house i'm not jerome benito son brother anymore i am a black man who probably has a criminal past probably has a gun therefore they feel threatened and it's like that woman in the park the one in the park with her dog yeah that was mortifying just because you could I would tell i'm terrified yeah, you can tell she is. She knows her privilege as a white woman. Yeah, she understands it very well, and she understands that she can weaponize the police and use them as her attack dogs. His blackness yeah. was a weapon. Yeah, and Simply if he had not black. recorded that, There's he no way. he probably would have been a hashtag. There's no way that anyone would have believed him. Exactly, she changed her voice to victimize yeah. herself. And I feel like that's something that's not talked about enough. No. I think one, the first step is acknowledging the privilege. The first step is to acknowledge the, that privilege exists. And when you think about that specific instance, she knew the, the result or the effect her words would have on the situation. She knew that something bad would happen yeah. to, the, to that man. She was actively calling for him to be lynched in broad daylight. Yeah. She knew what the police would have done to him. Yeah. She 
completely knew she was in the wrong. She knew her dog should be on a leash. Mm -hmm. And she still decided to act like she was the victim there. But another part of that story that slightly bothered me was when everyone started pulling up his credentials on how he's like a model minority because he went he goes to a prestigious school he has all this great background like yeah so are black people only unkillable when we are a model black person like does it give you the green light to just kill anyone yeah they are human the rest of us are not yeah and that is terrifying to think that even when you're in those white spaces, no one talks about the mm-hmm. institutional racism being yeah. one of the few black kids in a class. Like, just because I mean, you get to a prestigious school does not mean you're accepted there. Yeah. You you had the experience of being one of the few black kids in the class full of white kids. What was that like? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was... It was traumatizing, to say the least. Um, In my elementary school, I was the only black girl in a class of 52 or 54. That's a big class. Um, There was a total of four black students. There there were three boys and me. I was the only girl. So I also grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. And it's actually crazy because I did not realize as a child... What I was going through was actually racism until many years later because I remember people making fun of my traditional Caribbean food. My parents are from Trinidad, so like I eat different Mm -hmm. food than up here and people would make fun of that food. I remember I didn't want to bring my food to school anymore. Um, There was always comments about my hair. I'm 21 years old now and I still get comments about my hair. But I remember being that young black girl and I hated my hair. Mm -hmm. I did not want people to comment on my hair. I wanted the straight hair that all of my white friends had. I didn't think I was pretty. Um, I literally, it's actually quite sad, but I do remember telling my mom I hated being black. And I didn't realize at the time that that was because of my experience being the only black girl. I remember in grade one, there was a boy who used to spit on me. And the school didn't do anything until my mom came in. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just traumatizing because you learn how to assimilate and essentially just not associate with your culture anymore because you want to be liked by your white peers so badly. And it wasn't until like leaving high school, basically, that... I was starting to embrace being a black woman. I mean, like, Trayvon's case did happen when I was in grade 9. And that was when I first started getting into social justice. But I was getting into social justice and not working on myself. So it wasn't until I left high school. And I still live in a predominantly white neighborhood. And nothing has really changed in terms of, like, the neighborhood. But, like, I have changed. I am now a lot more proud to be a black woman. Mm -hmm. I embrace my culture. I love being from Trinidad. I love it so much. But um, I remember when I was younger, it I did not want to be associated with it. Like I just wanted the pretty straight hair that all my friends had. I hated the braids. Like I remember there was even a girl who made fun of me because I had braids. 
and mm-hmm. it's funny now because I'm pretty sure she's like actually half black or something. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the logic. She, yeah, I don't know. And I, the other day I saw her posting something about how people should embrace their blackness and love their hair. I'm like, you bullied me from mine. What? Wow. <laughs> when it's convenient. Yeah. But going back to growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood, being like the model minority, like you realize that a lot of your quote unquote friends don't really like black people. They just like you, mm-hmm. and you're like the one token black yeah, friend who's the exception. Who's yep. it's like, oh, you're not like other black people. And bringing up another point is like hearing, oh, you're so articulate, you speak so well. I get that a lot, um, and it's really <laughs> annoying. It bothers me because I'm like, do you think I'm stupid? Just as a general, <laughs> general, generally speaking, black people shouldn't be articulate. Yeah, they you, shouldn't be able to express themselves in a way that is intelligent. Yeah. Do you think of us as Neanderthals? Exactly. <laughs> like that. And that is a result of the system that's been created. Mm-hmm. By I hate being the white told man. that. <laughs> I hate being told, oh, you, you speak so well. Or like you speak white. Or, um, yeah. oh, you're not really like black, black. Mm-hmm. Or you what don't, you does don't that act mean? black. Yeah, you don't. I got that so much. <laughs> I was, And it wasn't until a few years ago when I really unpacked that. I was like. I don't act like the black caricature that mm-hmm. you want me to act like. Exactly. Because you can't define blackness. Black people are everywhere. There's African Americans. Mm-hmm. There are Caribbean people. Mm-hmm. There, like we we are everywhere. You can't define black culture into one thing. Pop culture is not black culture. We are not all like that. <laughs> exactly. But that's what everyone expects. Or, I. One of the most annoying things ever was everyone assuming I was from Jamaica. <laughs> that is the only, only, only that island. That's the only Caribbean have. island. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, no other Caribbean island exists except for Jamaica. I remember I told someone in elementary school when I was going to Trinidad for the first time. I was going to Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And she thought I was going to Trinity College. <laughs> I was like, why in the world would my family take a vacation for a week to a college? <laughs> oh, boy. Like, Jamaica is not... All black people do not come from Jamaica. (laughs) All black people also do not come from Africa. And you can't even name an African country. It's a continent, not a country. I wish people would realize. Uh, when you discussed your hair and the reaction people would have to your hair, I just want to circle back to that. Because I know that when white women wear their hair a certain way, or in a way that uh, is popular with the black community, they're often praised for it and seen as being progressive, forward. <laughs> So to, to hear your contrast or, or how people react to uh, the way you wear your your hair and it being seen as, because I'm sure you wouldn't wear your hair like that to a uh, to a job, no. job interview, definitely not. It would be unprofessional. Yeah, it would be. 
and hearing you say that you would want or that you had wanted being a child uh flowing hair that was easier to take care of it must be difficult seeing a white woman do the same thing and be <laughs> applauded for it <laughs> The thing with black women's hair is that it's always deemed political. Yeah. It is a political Statement. issue. <laughs> I learned from a young age, literally like looking for my first job, that there were certain ways I had to wear my hair. It had to be completely done. Yeah. Bef- like I couldn't wear my natural hair to job interviews. I would always make sure that my hair was properly, like, freshly de- freshly done braids. Um, yeah, I never, I, I, like, despite me wanting straight hair, my parents actually never let me relax my hair or straighten it. So I always had braids. But I did learn from a young age that my natural hair is a political statement. People deem black women's hair, especially... My type, like the Afro type, 4C, is deemed unprofessional. Every time I would wear it, I would be like, oh, when are you doing your hair? And then I remember when I was younger, I wore cornrows one time. Like, I would do cornrows all the time. Uh And I was mistaken for a boy. And that really pissed me off. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was dressed feminine. I just had cornrows. And I remember my sister's friend being like, oh, is this your little brother? I was like, excuse me? (laughs) But then I also remember people always making fun of the fact that I had to spend an entire day doing my hair. Yeah. And I don't like the fact that my hair is a discussion in workplaces my current workplace is not a a problem at all but previous places it's like oh can i touch your hair and i just want to know why is that people's first reaction Mm -hmm. why do you feel the need to stick your hands in someone else's hair that is to me is very unprofessional it is (laughs) like i don't look at anyone else's hairstyle like i want to touch your hair (laughs) it just feels so dehumanizing yeah you're like a circus act yeah it's like i'm at the zoo and you're petting my like you pet dogs (laughs) you don't pet people and yeah it's kind of like i feel with the kardashians especially Mm -hmm. a family i very much so dislike um they started wearing braids and renaming it all sorts of things. <laughs> Bantu knots or corkscrews, as we call them in Trinidad, are not mini twist buns. <laughs> Box braids don't exist. Like, <laughs> that's not what they're called. But because a non black person took that. And decided to rename it and then had other non-black people wearing our hairstyles. Yeah. People like, oh, it's okay if I do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's it's really not. Because, y- you see, you can learn about a culture, but that does not mean you get to become a part of the culture. Yeah. 
I le- I love learning about different cultures. In no way am I ever trying to force myself into their culture. Exactly. And I honestly think with the rise of social media, especially on Instagram, that's where it started to come from. Like people just doing black girl hairstyles. Uh-huh. And the reason why it makes me so angry is because if it's done on someone who is not black, you get praised for it and uh-huh. it's seen as cool, it's trendy, it's hip. But if I do it, a dark-skinned black woman, yeah. I get called ghetto, ratchet, especially if I add in bright colors. <laughs> now yeah. it's all sorts of names. Oh, boy, yeah. But a non-black person does it and it's like, wow, you are a trendsetter and everything. Even with Gucci. Did you see the other day, Gucci? Um, they tried to put do-rags on white men. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, do-rags are meant for black men's hair. Or black women who do waves. Yeah. It is meant to set waves. It is not a fashion statement. Like, it literally <laughs> has a purpose. But that's the problem. People take things from black culture. Yeah that actually have meanings and just degrade them into a fashion piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The only people versed to to talk about black fashion and black culture are black people. And I don't understand what's not clicking. (laughs) I agree with that 100%. (laughs) Which brings me to a point that I wanted to make. Uh, Accepting that privilege exists is a huge thing. People don't want to acknowledge it. Often acknowledge and support diversity without addressing the effects that diversity has and the inequality that it results in. It's like they use progressiveness as an aesthetic instead of a platform that they can use to inspire change, an actual change. So what we're seeing is, is like an absence of empathy altogether but they mask themselves as a pro-black representative behind sympathy. But then (laughs) they don't actually do anything (laughs) (laughs) that supports or, 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 or progresses the black community to anything more than it already is or than it is right now. And mostly... I'm going to upset some people. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a very liberal thing. When you look at the Liberal Party and who makes up the Liberal Party, it is people who will say, we feel for you. They might even go as far to say, we understand what we're going or what you're going through. Oh, we understand the struggle or what it's like. But do you? No. You can say that. But it doesn't really end there. You have people who will... Post, do the bare minimum. Post the minimum <laughs> on social media and then just leave it there. It, they don't actually talk about it. And that's that's the thing. We We need... Effective 
conversations. People don't want to have those conversations because if you're not of that community, the black community,、mm-hmm. it's an uncomfortable situation. <laughs> But people need、no. to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> I am uncomfortable. So, why do you、Constantly. get the privilege of just sitting in your comfort bubble、mm-hmm. and be like, I don't want to have those hard discussions? Yeah. And it, you can't say, Oh, I don't know enough. If you live in a developed nation, you have an iPhone, you have access to the <laughs> internet, you are in a post secondary institution, you have more than enough resources to educate yourself. You, it's not enough to be like, I don't know enough. You are just making excuses for yourself.、Mm-hmm. You have the resources to know more and do better. You're just choosing to stay comfortable. And it's the same with companies, big companies that, I, that pride themselves on being inclusive to gender, race,、uh, ethnicity, national, nationality, sexuality, yeah, disability, etc.、Uh, they can only be as Effective really as how well they can identify and empathize with the pain that we feel. That their employees、mm-hmm. who they pride themselves on hiring、uh, struggle with on a daily basis with regards to their blackness. Only when those companies can fully empathize with that pain we feel can we wholeheartedly support them. Yeah, to be honest, even with everything that's going on, you see the social media activism. And especially from these big companies and corporations who are known for not being. Of equal rights who、yeah. treat their black <laughs> yeah who treat their black employees like garbage, and those who do not have any black people on an executive board <laughs> wanting to post images of solidarity with the black community. You have done nothing for the black community. How are you standing in solidarity with us? The one company who does it right is Ben and Jerry's ice cream. They're the one company who is very comfortable with making people uncomfortable. <laughs> When marijuana got legalized in some states and you saw a rise of white weedpreneurs, they called them. Ben and Jerry's called them out and was like, it is very unfair that white people get to gentrify marijuana. And have these dispensaries when you still have black people sitting in jail for weed. That is very true. And then they called out the other day ab- about this case, about George Floyd. They said, What happened to George Floyd was not a one bad apple case. This is the result of white supremacy. They said that. They, Damn. <laughs> they said it point blank. The, one of the founders got arrested for protesting. Their hiring policy has no drug checks. They don't care about your criminal background. Most of the people that they hire are actually convicted felons. As long as you can do the training, you have a job. They are actively fighting against systemic racism. I will buy that overpriced ice cream. 
because they are actively supporting the black community. They're not throwing out empty words onto a screen. They are actively trying to do the best they can as an organization. How did I never hear of this ice cream company? (laughs) (laughs) They have really cool flavors, too. Like, I always want to buy Ben & Jerry's, but before I was like, oh, I can't buy it, but I will buy it. I will buy it, too. Like, I will buy that pint of ice cream for $6 (laughs) or $4. I can't remember. (laughs) But if I know it's going to help support them hiring more people and the fact that they don't do the drug test. Also, another thing, if you don't have an address or a phone number, it's very hard for you to get hired. They don't care if you don't have an address or a phone number. It is literally come in. Do the training. If you can do the training, you have a job. Wow. That is really all you need. Which, yeah, I honestly don't understand all the barriers, but you know, systematic racism. <laughs> or systemic. It's systemic. Yeah. Systemic, <laughs> systematic. I've heard both. It's both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you've seen a lot of... Com- even the NFL, their audacity to even put out a statement of solidarity. True. Yeah. All of those NFL teams, the audacity. Good, good, good. You, Colin Kaepernick has not worked since 2016 because he Give decided to peacefully back. protest. He decided to kneel. And <laughs> and that was a problem. So now, when people are protesting in the streets, it's a problem. The problem is not the protesting. The problem is that you are uncomfortable with the message. Mm-hmm. Because people can peacefully protest, or people can cause hell and riots. And it's mm-hmm. still going to be a problem. What I can't stand is people <laughs> who are t- speaking against the riots and the protests. Nothing I mean, ever gets uh, done peacefully. Exactly. Yeah. And even if... <laughs> okay, Martin did it peacefully. And they he still killed him. killed. Malcolm didn't do it peacefully. And he got killed. If I'm going to die, I'm doing it the way Malcolm did. Because that's what they're going to react to. That's what people are going to remember. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to make the change. People have every right... Let me rephrase that. Black people (laughs) have every right to be angry. Absolutely. There is no reason for black people to be peaceful about a revolution. Mm -hmm. Nothing has ever come out of peacefully demonstrating (laughs) i'm gonna tell you this right now america did not become a country by peacefully (laughs) asking the british soldiers to leave nope they caused a war on their own land and kicked them out and said get out Mm -hmm. why look at look what happened when 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 the north yeah of the country said owning a slave is bad and the South was like, excuse me. Con- exactly. <laughs> they started a whole war within the country. And now they want to talk about this going too far? Exactly. Didn't they get mad that the British were taxing them on tea? The Boston Tea Party. They sugarcoated yes. it into a tea party. There was no tea party. <laughs> that was a loud and clear yep. protest. That was a demonstration that was a they know how the British like their tea (laughs) (laughs) and they went and threw the tea into the harbor exactly (laughs) 
And it wasn't only that. It was... That in itself was a riot. Mm-hmm. They were destroying property. It is exactly that, yeah. I didn't even think of it that way. Yes, it is. They were loud. They were obnoxious. In the same way black people should be now. People are very lucky that... I actually saw this on Twitter, but this woman quoted... But uh, people are very lucky that all black people are fighting for is equality and they are not coming for revenge. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> the, <laughs> there would be no... There would be no... There would be America no America. left. No North America left at all. No. <laughs> oh, boy. I believe it was yesterday or the day before that um, I came home from Food Basics and my dad and my mother were watching the news talking about the protests. And my dad told us about uh, some of his friends who are white and they were they were talking about how the United States is in such a a state right now. <laughs> And my dad said that it's not just the United States. It happens here, too. And that is something that a lot of Canadians need to realize, that mm -hmm. this country is far from perfect. Everyone's like, oh, wow, look at the states. We can <laughs> never be like them. My favorite analogy is that <laughs> we're the apartment above the meth lab. Yeah. But I mean... The fumes are here, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we have... <laughs> People have been reacting to the fumes. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate, but everything that happens in the U.S., the world feels it because they are, and I hate to admit this, but they are the superpower. Yeah. What's that quote? Like, when the U.S. sneezes, everyone else catches a cold. <laughs> Something like that. I've heard that, yeah. But throughout the, throughout the 90s, I know that my parents give us stories all the time about how the... Uh, police would uh, treat my father, always telling him he fits some sort of description that they had to take him to the station. I'm pretty sure uh, he's uh, had to stay there overnight on a few occasions. And it just it was just endless and nothing would come of it because they knew that he didn't fit this description. He, they were just he was just seen as a target, someone they could mess with, someone who's weak, they could ruin because he was black. So absolutely it happens here. Mm -hmm. And it's not only with black people. That's the thing. With Canada, the track record <laughs> with, indigenous with, with indigenous people. 24 hours ago, an, an indigenous woman was killed after a wellness track. Mm -hmm. the, and if you actually understand Canada's history, it is very violent Brutal. towards indigenous people. Their track record with the police. Most people may not even know it. I didn't even know it until I took a sociology course mm. in university. The Starlight Tours where policemen would deliberately target indigenous men and women. 
and drive them out into the middle of nowhere, yeah, strip their them. clothes, and leave them. Yeah. That is an instance of police brutality. And Canada likes to kick all of their stuff under the mat mm-hmm. and pretend it doesn't exist, but that mound under the mat, can it, it's getting so big that you can't hide it anymore. And honestly, I think that is even worse, trying to hide it and pretend that you're perfect. Yeah. Trying to pretend you are a progressive nation mm-hmm. and much better when you just aren't handling things. You can't just ignore the problem and hope that everyone is not going to notice that it's there. Because mm-hmm. black people know it's there. Indigenous people know it's there. We, we understand it. But to everyone else in the wake of George Floyd's death in Canada... Everyone's like, wow, racism exists here too? Like, all of a sudden, I'm seeing people getting interviewed on global news talking about their instances of racism, like, their stories. I'm like, this isn't new. But all of a sudden, it's brought into the spotlight. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you can tell governments come up with these... Maybe it's good in good nature. Maybe it's just because they want to shut people up. But... This whole affirmative action, you know, equity for disadvantaged groups, that's, in my opinion, BS. Because nothing has changed. No. Look at the (laughs) Charter of Rights and Freedoms. It's in there. But what does it mean, really? Literally. And the thing is, with affirmative action... Even as a minority, when you get into those spaces, people love to remind you the only reason you're there is because you're the token minority, not because you deserve to be there. So (laughs) it actually does a lot more harm than than good. The first thing you have to do is get rid of the institutionalized racism because that is very prevalent in and that is the root yeah that is the root and you you can't just keep throwing random things at it hoping that it will solve it because (laughs) those kids who get special scholarships like that people love to tell them you're only here because of affirmative action not because you deserve to be here and then when what happens with that is that you have a lot of young black adults going into the workforce and imposter syndrome seeks it like (laughs) steeps in and it's like i don't deserve to be here yeah yeah so you don't speak up for yourself you know you're silencing them into not speaking out about the injustice that they've faced yeah i um recently watched me and my mother actually last night i was i went into her room with intention with the intention of bothering her. But I, I saw what she was watching, and I just laid on the bed and watched with her. It was a, a conversation between Pastor John Gray and another one, Stephen uh, Filkin, I believe it was. But I remember Pastor John Gray said, it is the fault of the system that has been in place since 1619 wow. till today, 400 years of systematic oppression. Again, Oh, 244 years of American slavery that has dismantled black families over and over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it didn't end there. The Grandfather Clause, the Jim Crow era, mm-hmm. into the Civil Rights Act of 64, 
and Voting Rights Act of 65, and we look at it all and try to move the needle for separate and, and equal. You try to decipher what it means or, or where you were separate and where you're equal. But we're never seen as actual equals because we're only three generations removed from humans owning other humans. That is true. And it's funny you bring that up because just recently I learned that um, pictures from the civil rights movement <laughs> and the Jim Crow era are purposely shared in black and white to make you think that they happened a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Those images are all in color. There was color imaging at that time, but they shared them in yeah. black and white to make people associate it with... Like, Ancient times. Yeah. Like, <laughs> colored images did not exist. When, when Martin Luther King Jr. was marching, color TV existed. Absolutely, yeah. There is no reason for those images to be in black and white. Kennedy's assassination was in color. Exactly. Even the first black girl who went like that, who went to that school, the first black girl after segregation, mm-hmm. and people hated her. She is only sixty-four years old. Wow. She is ten years older than my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so long ago that we should forget it. Accept it and move on. And the thing is, there has just been so many injustices to black families which purposely break them up. Even if you watch The 13th on Netflix, that was heartbreaking but eye-opening about how slavery was abolished. But that 13th Amendment, you have to be very wary of the people who make the laws because they always make laws to get around their own laws. The 13th Amendment states that once you are incarcerated, you do not have any rights. You are now a slave to the state in its essential terms. The police department, especially in the South, came from slave patrols. Their entire purpose was to lock up black men. Oh, yes. You showed me their emblem, their little their little star. It's the exact same. <laughs> and so that was their purpose. It was to round up slaves. Mm-hmm. That is what the police department stemmed from in the South. So... In essence, they are still just doing the same job. Yeah. But because of system- systemic racism, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stumbling over my words, but because of that racism, black men are targeted more. Uh-huh. You are incarcerated at a higher rate than your peers. Yeah. That is why black families are so broken. And that is what they continue to do to black families. They lock up our fathers, they kill our fathers, and they make fun of black kids for not having fathers. Yeah. And, okay, go on. (laughs) And that that just blew my mind, especially finding out how they originated from slave patrols, and then hearing about how, even in the United States, the prison is, it's like a business. Prisons are like businesses. They literally get incentives for having more prisoners. That is horrible. Which is why, on top of everything, that is why they arrest black men more. And then think of it. If you want to win an election, Uh if you have a bunch of black people locked up, which, by the way, you cannot vote 
if you're、yeah. incarcerated. It's very easy to get a law that you want passed when you just get rid of all the minorities. That is true. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Like, this runs very deep. It's just like everyone stands to benefit. All these organizations, these governments,、mm-hmm. and organizations stand to benefit from the mistreatment of black people. I actually saw a tweet today that said that America was never prepared to not have black people as slaves, which is why the current system is the way it is, and it, it's never going to work for black people. Wow. The current system was written when you could own black people.、Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. So that's why, as they're trying to progress, and black people are like, none of this feels right. Like, I, I still don't feel like I have the same freedoms as my white counterparts.、Mm-hmm. It's because you aren't supposed to. Yeah. So, what we, don't, we don't need progress. We need reform completely. Like, com- we need abolition. That's it. You cannot reform this system. <laughs> And I hate when people are like, oh, we just need more black cops. You can't throw <laughs> black cops into a system that hates them.、Yeah. You just become the system. The system is the problem. And you have to understand that there are politics within those, those police departments, too. They're unionized. Why would you speak out against your union? <laughs> that, and even if you do, you're ostracized,、mm-hmm. number one. And then you have, well, the,、uh, the cop who's been there. 10 years obviously has a lot of power.、Mm-hmm. And they have that power to mark you、yep. as a cop who is, well, a, probably a loose cannon,、uh, isn't going to go along with the.、Um... Actually, this reminds me of. I watched a movie called American Gangster with、um, Russell Crowe and, and、uh, Denzel Washington.、Uh, The, uh, Russell Crowe's character found a bag with,、uh, I think, a million or $10 million, and he turned it in. And since then, no cop in the entire precinct trusted him. And that was a white cop. Can you imagine if a black cop were to turn in $10 million? Or, 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 or even, even, even stand up against an <laughs> injustice that he witnessed? You can't, and you see it. We've even、and、seen it in the protests.、Movie. I know that is a movie, but I mean, you, you can apply that. Yeah, you've even seen it in protests. The other day, four black officers were arrested for using excessive force against protesters.、The、I si- thought that's what they wanted.、Oh, the white how, cops only, I guess. <laughs> how you can't throw in token black people. To uphold the system、mm-hmm. that is meant to be holding them down, <laughs> they're just going to assimilate into the culture. Again, they aren't、yeah. going to speak out against anything because you learn from a young age just to fit in. Don't try to rock the boat or anything.、Yeah. Just go in, listen to the rules, pay attention. The police system is not made for, to protect black people.、Mm-hmm. In fact, apparently, they are. Uh, constitutionally, apparently, the police don't even have to serve and protect. So, what is their purpose exactly?、Mm-hmm. Uh, that reminds me serve and protect. <laughs> I told you this before, but in GTA 5, <laughs> on the police cars, I know like, it's Rockstar is a British company and 
Grand Theft Auto really is just poking fun of the U.S. Mm-hmm. But on the police cars, instead of um, to serve and protect, it says obey and survive. <laughs> Which is basically how black people see the police as. <laughs> yeah, but and even if you even obey, even if you obey, <laughs> good there's luck. There's a chance you're not coming out of that. You're you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I personally don't need. I don't need equity. What I want is equality. I want it to be treated as a white man being arrested or being pulled over would be treated. Don't pull me over because you see that I'm a black kid and or a black man and and you can just mess with me. If you if you see my dad said if um if you see an expired sticker if you see that I have an expired sticker, sure, pull me over, do your job. But don't say, oh, there's a black guy there who's driving. Oh, that's that, that car is too nice for him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go and tell him to get out of the car and then whatever. What? <laughs> that Just you saying, like, that car is too nice for him reminds me of my brother's high school. And I think I told you this. So we live in a predominantly white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But there are black people here too, and it is a pretty, I would say, wealthy neighborhood. Mm-hmm. People drive nice cars. And one of my brother's friends, she was driving her mom's car to school. It's a BMW SUV. Okay. A newer model too. Nice. And the principal asked to see her license and registration. And insurance. Because she did not believe that a black person could be driving a car that nice. Wow. I... I was so in shock, but not surprised. I am at a loss for (laughs) And the thing is with the... We're Generation Z, no matter how we try to twist it. But Mm. Generation Z does not care about authority. (laughs) And I'm very proud of her for not, like, actually giving in. She just basically told her to screw off (laughs) and to leave her alone. Good, because she has no place asking for Exactly. And there's a lot of... If you drive through the parking lot of that school, there's a lot of kids who drive nice cars. Uh Never once has a white student been asked to show that. Well, I guess it's normal for a white person to be driving a nice car. Mm Mm-hmm. Because black people don't have good jobs. (laughs) (laughs) When my brother told us that, we were just all like, what? What? (laughs) For a Catholic school, they are very, very... Oh, Catholic. (laughs) I don't even get me started on... (laughs) (laughs) I would assume that in teachings, no religious teaching tells anyone that they're better than anyone. No. But all the black students at that at my brother's high school are treated like criminals and thugs, mm-hmm. as opposed to their white classmates. My brother was, had missed a couple of classes, and or like he would be in class, and the teacher would mark him absent, and they threatened to expel him. Wow, that's excessive. Yeah, and. In any high school, you are not allowed to have any sort of drugs, right? No. There's been a couple drug busts at his school. The black 
one black kid got caught with drugs suspended or some yeah something like that and um they found one of the white kids who was dealing and actually had stuff in his locker they suspended him for three days three days suspension when it states in the school guide that you should be expelled yeah because the police did come to the school with the dogs wow wow and that's like another it's it's very obvious not even trying to hide (laughs) hide their racism it's just out there and that is again it is the result of the system Mm -hmm. and i hate that i'm going to have to tell my children that this exists at a very young age they're going to have to know I was thinking about that the other day. I hate that I'm going to have to have that conversation Mm -hmm. with my children. And I know that my parents, when I'm out late, I know that they must be worrying because if I have an interaction with a cop, if a cop sees me driving my car Yeah, your car is black with black tinted (laughs) windows. Probably wasn't the best option. (laughs) (laughs) But I liked it. Anyway, uh... And it is, it is, it is a a nice nice car. car. If I get pulled over, they assume that, exactly, or, or that I'm, that I'm a drug dealer or something. How could I afford this car? Or how could I, how could I have this car? Mm -hmm. Someone who looks like me. And it, it can just be, it can, it can be the cop is having a bad day and I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with me, but I'm the one whose life, or it's my life, that's ruined because of this cop. And they know they have this power, and they exercise it. Mm-hmm. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't even possess the amount of power that they have. No. If you look at that video, he knew no one would do anything he's very calm collected hands are in his pocket he looks at the camera Mm -hmm. straight at the camera not even trying to hide his face yeah so he knew like the power i wield you can't do anything about this and i'm probably going to get away with it but honestly i was not expecting the reaction no i was not (laughs) i'm happy with the reaction i mean it should have been sooner but Going back to the driving late at night thing, I didn't mm-hmm. even realize that, like, when my brother is out late at night, I panic. Mm-hmm. Especially when, like, he hasn't texted to say where he is or what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I, like, panic because he's driving my vehicle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even if he had the last name, the same yeah, last and name. I'm just, I'm, I get worried that they're going to assume that because he's a young teenage black boy out at night that he's up to no good Mm -hmm. or something especially if he's with his friends yeah and like that even when you're out late at night i get worried yeah when you say you're going for a drive like it and i hate that that's my automatic reaction Mm -hmm. like i panic what if something happens i actually don't some nights I don't go to sleep until my brother comes home. Just to make sure he comes home. That's nice. 
sometimes when you go out, I try to stay up for as long as I can to make sure you say that you got home. Because you never know. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate that I'm going to have to have that discussion with my future kids. Like, when a cop pulls you over, keep your hands on the wheel. Yeah. Don't make any sudden movements. Make sure you tell the cop what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. Don't try to argue. Like, I, do you see why black kids don't get to be kids? Yeah. They always have to be watching out for something. Yeah. Always has to be ready in case of whatever. Mm-hmm. Because they're constantly a target by everyone. There isn't even a like a minority solidarity, you know? No. In every minority, there's anti-blackness. Yeah. And it's like, how I see it sometimes is minorities trying to say that other minorities are below them. So we're still putting white people up on the pedestal. And then it's like, we're second. No, we're second. No, we're second. Yeah. It, I <laughs> think, what is like, it called? Like, model minority? Like, I'm not like those other colored exactly. people. Yeah. I'm, I'm light enough and mm-hmm. I behave. I'm refined. I'm like you, except yeah. I just don't look like and you. that's another problem that people don't even realize. Like, why is white the standard? That is a good point. <laughs> why is that that everyone attempts to be mm-hmm. like that? When and who did who decided that? I mean, like we know who did, but like <laughs> everyone fights to be liked in that way. Yeah. But again, it's because of the system that they created. Mm-hmm. They are the head. They are God, right? And everybody is trying to appeal to them because they decide who is in what position of power. Yep. They decide the hierarchy. And that is the root of the issue. And that issue cannot be solved with a signing of a bill or the making of a new law. Or having a new leader. (laughs) (laughs) Just think about this. If a system is created in a certain way to make sure a certain group stays down, tell me, how does voting and put in someone else in that position, change anything. Have you changed the system? No. No. You have just changed the leader who is now going to uphold the system. Yeah. The current system isn't working. It needs to be abolished. We need to restart. I don't understand why we follow laws from the 1600s in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) But while voting has its benefits, it is not going to change institutional racism. Because there are those laws put in place to make sure that it stays. Like we said before, America was not prepared 
and Canada too. Mm-hmm. And they were not prepared for a world with black people who had power. And now that black people are taking back that power, things need to be changed. You can't keep going with the same system because even that whole eight-point rule that DeRay brought up, I'm sorry, but that is complete. <laughs> it's <laughs> it just... The first point, first of all, banning chokeholds. And what... What police department is it legal to chokehold someone until they die? Where is that legal? Please let me know. Because I'm pretty sure it's illegal and they do it anyway and then they get off. Yeah. They are acquitted from any charges. Mm-hmm. We, this is going to piss some people off, but we are past the need for police. I agree. <laughs> Did we ever need police? Because. The police have too much money and too much power. Why is the Toronto Police Department's police budget $1.6 billion? And there are, there's a rise in homeless population in Toronto. That money can be allocated better towards mental health services, social services. Anything, youth, anything useful. Uh, yeah, literally anything else that is not a mini military. <laughs> <laughs> Because police are not equipped to handle all of the situations people throw at them. No. You should not be worried about calling the police for a mental health check on a family member and wondering if they're going to shoot them and kill them for being bipolar. Mm -hmm. You know who can help that? A licensed therapist. A nurse who is trained in mental health first aid. Mm -hmm. Those are the people who should be getting more budgets who should be getting more funding but they continue to allocate money towards new equipment for the police new surveillance (laughs) like yeah we need to be more community-based that is true there was um i read that there was a new or minneapolis city council was talking about abolishing their police department and, and the police department has gotten a lot of heat as it should <laughs> the public schools have canceled their contract with them they don't want the police around their children anymore i wouldn't minnesota university has canceled their contract with them they're talking about abolishing the police like and there's another police state or not police state there's another police department and that a county is considering abolishing so it's catching on. Riots are working. People are listening now that we are past the need for police officers. Mm-hmm. Look at how they responded to a protest about police brutality. What did they do? They were brutal. They are harassing and not even harassing. That is very low. They are showcasing more police brutality. Yeah. They are attacking medics. They are throwing tear gas at civilians. They are doing drive-by shootings. They are aiming point-blank for people's faces with rubber bullets that should be aimed at the ground to be bounced into the crowd. That is what the police are doing. Why should they be getting funding from this community they're harming? Exactly. The thing is that the community is where they get their funding, too. Yeah. Taxpayer (laughs) dollars. Oh, boy. 
There's just so much to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> this could literally be an entire season. Yeah. Just the... Oh, I just remembered. There's one thing I wanted to bring up earlier. Uh, Brianna. The, the... Today's her birthday. Is it? Yeah, her 27th oh. birthday. Well, happy birthday to her. Yeah, rest in power. <laughs> uh, after the police realized that they were in the wrong house do you know what they did no well you do but <laughs> it's not a trick question <laughs> they left they said sorry wrong house and left imagine you would think that they would or hope first of all the ambulance they didn't that they didn't shoot her for nothing like it was a I can't even remember how long the interaction was. The fact that she was sleeping yeah. in her bed. Sleeping was a threat to them. Mm-hmm. And they shot an essential worker, an EMT, mm-hmm. eight times in eight. her bed. And left. Didn't call the paramedics. Didn't do any. They simply left. Her boyfriend had to call 911. And then they arrested him. <laughs> because... He, the police did not announce themselves going in. So he thought they were being attacked. Mm-hmm. And so he shot back. And that, and then they arrested him for attacking a police officer. Criminals. Yeah, they are criminals. They are murderers. It's, I saw something that said, like, the police are the biggest gang in America. It's true. Probably the most cruel... Sp- brotherhood yeah (laughs) there is and they're protected by the law yeah and politicians and it's just everything is interconnected and money is what connects them all the thing is the more money you have in the new world the more power you have Mm -hmm. and it's very very easy to have those organizations bought out they can do your bidding. Which they used to do when they first performed. <laughs> they were paid off by wealthy businessmen so they could look in the other direction when they did Which is what things. is still done today. Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what we can do now, or what people should do, or rather what people should not do, and I'm completely comfortable in telling people what they shouldn't do <laughs> in this instance is that they should not remain silent. Because silence right now is accepting what's going on. Silence is violence. I like that. Silence is violence. Apathy and complacency, there is no place for that right now. Because if you express apathy, you are agreeing with them. You are agreeing with these police officers you're agreeing with everything that they stand for with everything that they are doing and it's wrong it is you shouldn't be on the fence about something like a human this is a human rights issue you should not be on the fence about this if you are silent right now you have chosen your side and it's of the oppressor people often say it's hard to come up with things to say and, and I if always it, think, it, it isn't. Just say it's wrong. That's, yeah, that's if it. it's hard for you to talk about how you feel right now, or you can't find the words, what you can do is share the voices of black people who are voicing 
their opinions. Exactly. That's what you can do. If you personally can't find the words, there is someone who has already said it. A lot of people, Ellen, I know, has said that. I watched two of her videos where she said she didn't know what to say. And I was just thinking that you could, and I like Ellen. Oh. You don't like Ellen? <laughs> no, I think that should be a discussion for another time. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll be back for that episode. <laughs> but uh, I do like Ellen. And I remember thinking, why don't you use your platform to spread the message? Mm-hmm. Bring black people who have experienced something similar on and let them share their stories yeah instead of only when you find us funny (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) but yeah now's not the time to remain silent what you can do right now is if you sign petitions if you i know going i sign everyone that i see if going out to protest is not for everyone and that's okay but you can still sign petitions. You can unlearn your own racism. You can share the voices of black creators. You can support black-owned. Just uplift the black community. That's what you can do right now. Yeah. So that's the end of this episode, and um, I hope you guys took a lot away from this. This is a very raw and real experience that we have both been experiencing since we basically came out of the womb. So if you want more resources on how you can support Black Lives Matter, there is a link in my bio. It has a ton of resources. There are petitions, there's protest information. Just click the card in my bio and um, I'll see you guys next week.